Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. ...and laying waste to the land. So Israel turned from God, and we see that they're being killed by their enemies. They're starving to death. It says that they were brought very low. They were living in dens and caves in the mountains. They come to a place where they recognize that they need a savior. So Israel cries out to the Lord. The Lord sends them a prophet who immediately reminds them that I am your God. I delivered you from Egypt. This is like 300 years after they were delivered from Egypt. So it's this place in the story where we're first introduced to a man named Gideon, who's an Israelite, so he's going through all of this stuff too. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, who is beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So what does that mean? So that means he was separating the wheat from the chaff. So typically when you would do this, you'd do this on a flat ground where there's a hill, and you'd throw it up in the air, and the wind would take away all the excess, and the heavy grains or the heavy wheat would just fall to the floor, right? But he's doing this in a wine press. That is literally a pit in the ground where you can't be seen. So he's doing this out of fear, right? He's not somewhere he wants to be seen. It's just very interesting. We've been talking about pits a lot, and he's literally in his pit. Um, so then he has this conversation, this conversation between Gideon and the angel of the Lord. And it's just really, it's real honest. And he brings up his concerns, and it's just cool. So here he is. Gideon's in the pit. The angel of the Lord appears to, appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. This guy's cowering in a pit, and the Lord comes up to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon's response, again, is real here. It's essentially, come on, give me a break. Are you kidding me? It's like, look around, see what's happened to us. The Lord has deserted us and given us into the hand of Midian. I'm like, what do you mean the Lord is with us? So the Lord turned, his, turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel. Do I not send you? And Gideon's response again, how can I do this? Come on, my enemies, Israel, my clan, my father's house, me. It's like, my clan is the lowest, and I am the weakest in my father's house. But the Lord said, I will be with you. You will strike down the Midianites as if they were one man. So Gideon's still doubtful. He goes, he prepares this massive meal. He presents it to the angel, who tells him then to lay it on a rock, and then he touches it, and it instantly gets consumed by fire, and the angel disappears. Talk about unexpected. So I imagine Gideon, even in his hesitation, saying, okay, if I'm truly found favor in God's eyes. I'm going to bring him this great feast. Maybe we'll eat it together. I'll renew my strength somehow. He'll explain this plan on how I'm going to save Israel. Then it's gone, right? But it's at that point in the story where Gideon realizes he's had an encounter with the Lord, that he sees that it's not the renewal of his strength from this meal or even his strength at all that's going to make him victorious through this, right? If God asks us to lay something down, even something really important like a great feast, when we're starving to death, we probably don't need it to be victorious. I love this verse in Isaiah 43. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Right? So this comes to our key verse here in Judges 6, 23, 24. But the Lord said, said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon, this man of fear, builds an altar to the Lord and calls it the Lord is peace. So there's two things I want to point out here. 
The first one is the change in Gideon's position, right? So he's an Israelite. We see him. He's first, when we first introduced him, he's turned from God. He's going his own way, right? He's opposed to God. He's disobedient. He's rebellious, right? But Gideon's position changes from one of opposing God to one seeking him, right? Does he have full understanding? No, not at all. He's just told to go, and he goes, right? The second one is the change in his identity. Our position reflects our identity, but it does not determine it. So our position reflects how we see ourselves, but it does not mean that it's true, right? Let me give you an example. If we're positioned towards Christ, if our aim is at Christ, then we recognize our identity by who he, he says that we are. That's where our identity comes from, right? But if you're positioned away from Christ, then it's the world and it's your circumstance that you're pulling your identity from, right? And we see that in Gideon. So how did Gideon see himself? He saw himself, uh, saw himself as weak, hopeless, alone, stuck in fear. We could apply any of the antonyms of fear or, or peace, the opposite of the word, to his situation, right? War, agony, distress, unrest, violence, rage, anxiety, fear. But then what does God say about Gideon? He says, God is with you, mighty man of valor. That word valor can be heroism or bravery or boldness or fortitude. He says, I send you, peace be with you, you shall not die. That word peace or shalom means a sense of completeness or steadiness, stillness, safety, tranquility, contentment, freedom from disturbance. The verse that Ryan said, and I, I love it too, it's Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. <sighs> Guys, God, he knows what we need. He knows that each of us desire this peace and this freedom from our circumstances, from our Midianites, our enemies, right, that devour everything that we seem to put our hands to at times, right, like swarms of locusts, as it says. <sighs> Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you're not experiencing peace today, guys, I just want to encourage you. Where are you positioned? Where are you facing? Where are you looking? Right? Another way to ask this is, how is your walk with Christ? Right? How is your walk with Christ? Is he behind you? Is he in front of you? Are you seeking him? Because when we're able to position ourselves back to God, just like Gideon did, it is then that we're able to actually recognize that our God is Jehovah Shalom, that our God is this peace, right? That this peace that each of us desire is exactly what God is, and God is that peace, that stillness in the midst of all of our chaos, right? There's a specific reason why he picked Gideon, um, in this story to show us that. Timer. Thanks, Joel. I'm pretty much going to repeat most of what uh, Joel just said, because we all have the same scripture, so this is good. <laughs> You're just going to hear it from a different point of view. It was like you used all the text that I did, so. All right, let's rock and roll. We have a major problem in our society today. I think we worry too much. I know I do. Were you worried about what I was going to say, if that affected you or not? 
thankfully, what we're talking about here, the, the God of peace, as Gideon refers to him as, drives out worry. It's hard to be worried and experience God's peace at the same time. I'm going to repeat some of the texts that, uh, that Joel did, particularly the conversation between Gideon and the angel of the Lord. This is in Judges 6. It says, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Joel, you pointed out very well in that he was in this pit. He was in the mud, surrounded by his enemies. He couldn't be up on the hill just to provide food for his family. So maybe you can see that there are some times in your life where you're in a pit, right? You see the relation I'm trying to make there? So he wasn't in a great spot. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Gideon, you're not you when you're hungry. Grab a Snickers. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He, he told him, he said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. He said, go with the strength you have. He didn't say, I'm going to do this thing in you that's going to cause you to be 20 feet tall and shoot fireballs out of your butt. <laughs> I, I want you to go with the strength that you have. I want you to go with what you got. I want you to shake what your mama gave you. It's another translation that's not written here. He says... But, but, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I'm just going to jump back and pause here for a second, because I think there's something that uh, God showed me when I was reading this and studying for today. The first words out of the angel of the Lord's mouth when he addresses Gideon is, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And then Gideon goes on to explain to the angel of the Lord why he's got the wrong guy, why that's not him, why he's actually the weakest and the least and the lowest. I think God cares more about how he sees us than how we see ourselves. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I experienced what we're going to be talking about here today, Jehovah Shalom, uh, God of peace in one of our pursuit nights. And I had some people speak into my life, things that sounded great and I received, but I knew that it wasn't me. It wasn't quite accurate, the positive things that they were saying. Looking back at my life now, I realize that it was God speaking through these people what he saw me as and what he was turning and guiding me into, not how I saw myself then. I'll just skip through some of the text and finish it off here. Um, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord said. That's just how I picture it. It's kind of this ca casual surfer dude. It's all right. Don't be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which, which means the Lord is peace. So what is peace? Why did Gideon call God peace and build this altar to him? I believe it was because Gideon had just realized, it says in the text here, verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out. I think Gideon 
realized and understood that he had been in the presence of God, and he had experienced the stillness, the calm, the peace, the tranquility. For any of you parents that have toddlers, you don't know what these words mean, but he experienced this peace that passed all understanding. Uh, in, in the dictionary, it describes peace as uh, freedom from disturbance. I think God's peace is freedom through disturbance. You consider all the things that he was going through and all the trouble that they were going through. And what was, you keep reading Judges. If you want to like a Braveheart type style of, there's some crazy stuff in there. Jail and the whole camping thing. Don't do that. So don't go camping with jail. You have to read that to, uh, to get it if you don't. So lastly, I just want to end on, and Joel, same text here. Uh, four, if you're like, this is great, Andrew, but I need practice. I'm an engineer. I need four takeaways, four steps. In Philippians 4, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds our understanding. I think if you want to experience God's peace, then it's pretty simple. It, it tells us step by step here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So turn your worries into prayers. Tell God what you need, not what you want. Tell him what you need. And then, importantly, thank him for all that he has done. And then you will experience peace that we won't even understand. I think it's that peace that God gives us. Peace out. <laughs> Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm so happy to be part of this family. We are the family of God, and I'm here to communicate something really incredible about God to you this morning. And I, was, I just couldn't help but to think when Joel was sharing this this Yahweh, this God who appeared to Gideon over 3,000 years ago, he's here today. He's with us. His presence is actually here in this room. And uh, during the anointed worship this morning, I, I still have those songs about how his love sought us out and is after us. And I don't believe it's a mistake that... Uh, or a coincidence that the people that are here are here. You're here because God brought you. And there's a lot of visitors here and guests. So thank you for coming. You were meant to be here. And so the text this morning comes from Judges uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 24. I'm just going to read it one more time here. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And so here we have a young man named Gideon. We heard the backstory already, but today I want to focus on what the name of Yahweh Shalom means. And so um, Yahweh is actually, it's a personal name of God. He has many names. He has several hundred names in the scripture, but the word Yahweh was actually a name that God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, and that's God's personal name. It is his actual, personal, divine name. In the Hebrew, it's yod heh And so the Hebrews took the word Adonai, and they took the vowels from Adonai and combined them with yod heh which are consonants, and that's where we get Yahweh. 
and then later on in English, the letter J came about, so we get Jehovah. But so, so Yahweh is God's personal name, and all of God's names in Hebrew speak about his character, and they all come with meaning. And so God's personal name, whenever he touches it to something, it becomes a covenant name. And this is the first time in all of scripture in the Old Testament where you see God attaching his personal name to the word shalom, which means peace. And you know, this peace, um, talking about peace, this peace means, um, uh, the meaning of peace is several things. Absent a conflict is one of the things. Another is that it is protection and wellness. So that is what peace comes to from God. But the one that stood out to me the most was living in harmony with God and others. That brings peace. When we are not walking in right union and harmony with Yahweh, and with others, we do not have the peace that God intended for us. And so as God puts Yahweh Shalom together, it becomes a covenant name with God. And I'm going to explain covenant to you. It's different than a contract. Today we have contracts. If I make an agreement with you and you make an agreement with me, and if I broke my agreement, that contract is null and void. It has no power it is no longer in effect. But that's different from covenant. When God makes a covenant with us, he keeps his covenant. And when we break the covenant, it's still a covenant because he keeps it. So no matter how far any of us have fallen, no matter how much fear we are in, no matter how much anxiety any of us battle or depression, no matter what kind of place or predicament we find ourselves in, when we break that covenant, which we do every day, God never breaks a covenant. It's always in effect because the shalom is based on not just peace. It's based upon who God is. And God, Yahweh Shalom, is your peace. Peace is not just a commodity or a thing that God gives you. It's not a portion. It's not just a ration, but it's a relationship. And God has made a relational covenant with you. He is Yahweh Shalom, and he loves you. And no matter how far away you go, no matter what you feel, no matter how many times we sin or we fall short, he will always keep his promises. And that covenant is never broken. Amen? And so I'd just like to end off in three verses. Um, you're going to hear these three verses repeated by others here because, you know, we are one in the spirit and in the body of Christ, and the Lord often will speak the same scriptures to, uh, he'll confirm his word by two or three witnesses. So I was quite surprised when I heard some of the other people share, they had the same scriptures, and I only have time for one. So I'm going to share Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. You keep in perfect peace, whose mind is set upon you, because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, and 
the Lord your God will be an everlasting rock. Jesus is your everlasting rock. He is more solid than the ground that we are standing on right now. He will never break his covenant with peace because it's based on who he is and not on what you do. Shalom. Guys, Andrew is funny. I didn't know, I didn't realize how funny he is until then. I was like, wow. Okay, let's start that timer. All right, so when I was thinking about Yahweh Shalom and this passage in Judges, what stuck out to me is that God's desire for us, for his people, is for us to abide and to live in his presence, is to participate in his nature and in making, um, oh, and to partner with him in making his presence a reality in our lives, unleashing the power of his presence into our circumstances. So Yahweh Shalom, it means that Yahweh is complete, he is safe, he exists in welfare and in right relationship with himself in the Trinity, but also with us. For eternity, he has always been in Shalom. He has always been in right relationship with us. As a, and, and we can inherit this as a consequence of living in his presence. And so we see Israel here living in disobedience, worshiping other gods to fulfill the most intimate parts of their lives. Daily, they're recognizing God formally. That's why the Midianites were after them, because they were the people of Yahweh, Israelites, in this land that they wanted. But in their personal life, they weren't trusting God to fulfill what they needed. And then we see Gideon here, like Joel said, threshing wheat, remembering the stories of his ancestors, knowing that this pain that the Israel was experiencing was never supposed to be their destiny. And he actually recognizes that this pain is a result of them not living in God's presence. And so his rational understanding is that God must have abandoned us. We are no longer in God's presence. But then Yahweh comes to Gideon, and I think that this shows us that God has always been with Israel. He has always been for them. He comes in the middle of the pain and the doubt to bring his people back to himself and to experience living in his presence and what they were actually destined for. And so there are three things that happen next that I think apply to our lives. So first, Yahweh proclaims peace over Gideon. God, God has already promised that he is with Gideon, that he is his strength. And so because God is with him, Gideon has peace. Not because of who Gideon is or because he's been faithful, because he's just been doubting God being with them. But God is saying, no, you have shalom with me because I am with you, no matter what you do. Um, so that's the first thing that happens. And then the second thing that happens is that Gideon worships Yahweh. So first, he hears the word of Yahweh, the words God has spoken to him, and he believes it's truth. Second, he acknowledges that this shalom is a gift from Yahweh. It's not because Gideon's so great, but it's because of who Yahweh is. And then this shows third, that Gideon is, um, it's an action of him partnering with Yahweh in his mind. He's saying, yes, God, this is who you are. I believe this, and I believe that this is your desire for your people. This is your desire for me, for my family and for my entire nation. And so then the third thing that happens, actions. So he's already said yes to Yahweh in his mind. Now he's gonna say yes to Yahweh in what he does. He chooses to be the vessel of Shalom in a disobedient nation. He starts by tearing down the idol worship, the Asherah pole, which brings first his family back to the worship of Yahweh, which then functioned as a witness to his community. 
that Yahweh was still with them and that this was the standard of living to remain in God's presence, we've just got to be committed to him, committed to his worship. No matter what people attack us, no matter what they say about us, we've got to be committed, guys. And then this shows, third, Gideon's obedience shows that he's living according to faith, not fear. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So Gideon was confident in God's promise and acted in line with the reality he hoped for in Israel. He was hoping for peace. He didn't want to live in pain. He didn't want to live hiding, doing his work hiding and fearing that somebody's going to see him and come and steal everything he has. So he was confident in the reality that he hoped for before he started seeing it happen. And so he started walking out what he was hoping to see. He started living in it before it happened. So Yahweh Shalom, God's desire for us is to participate in his completeness, his wholeness, his welfare, safety, and in right relationship with him and those around us. And we've all experienced pain in our, in our lives, living defeated and fear and oppression, longing for a time of peace, yet maybe we don't see or feel it because we're busy being Israel. We're busy, we're busy taking every single daily thing of our lives and giving it to other gods, hoping that they'll fulfill us while we're still living in this oppression. When God's asking that we be Gideon, he's asking us to just hear his word, read the scripture, hear his word, believe it's true, and then praise him for it, knowing that it's not, this word isn't because of us, but it's because of who God is. He's proclaimed himself and his nature over us so we can live in him and then have that influence our circumstances as we obey him, as, as we live in faith according to who God is rather than what we're afraid of. So living committed to Yahweh naturally releases or unleashes the power of his presence in our lives. We see Gideon's dad after he'd torn down the Asherah pole, and Gideon's like, oh man, he's going to be so upset about this. Gideon's dad actually realizes, hey guys, if Baal is real, he'll defend himself. He's already realizing that, guys, Yahweh is the true God. Praise the Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into the name of the Lord for safety. So you have to first of all know what are the names of the Lord. And the names of the Lord, God reveals his character to his people. So when we are we're doing the names of the Lord, I want to beseech you, brethren, that you don't just have a mental knowledge. Yeah, he's Jehovah Shalom. I pray that he would give you a revelation of himself as your peace. And when we talked about Jehovah Rapha last week, that he gives you a revelation so that when you're sick, you can confidently run to him for healing. And when you are in a stormy situation, you can remember and run to him as Jehovah Shalom. You know, peace, I'll take peace in two instances. The first one is peace with God. The Bible makes us to understand that man sinned and was separated from God. And God gave us his son. So I want to first of all encourage you, if you're not yet a Christian, you cannot experience Jehovah Shalom. Mm. But you have the opportunity this morning to come to him. Because remember in Isaiah, the Bible says, unto us a child 
is given. And one of the names of this child, who is Jesus, is Prince of Peace. So you can today accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Prince of Peace and be reconciled Amen. unto God. Then you'll be able to experience the peace that God gives to us. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, he says, he was beaten so that we could have peace. So he's already taken all that it takes for you to be reconciled to Father God. So all you have to do when my brother comes up and pray is to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then you begin to experience his peace because he justifies us. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing we have done. Sitting down here is by his justification and we have peace in God. Then the next one is the peace of God. Having been reconciled into himself, he walks with us all the time. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's always with you. He says, when you pass through storms, he'll be with you. When you pass through fire, it will not consume you. Yes, so many times when we pass through these things, it seems as if we're alone. You're not anything different from what the children of Israel did. They sinned and they begin to feel that God has left them. Sometimes it's not the acts of sin. Sometimes it's just life because the Bible says when you pass through, meaning that if you're not there yet now, you will pass through storms. So I want to encourage you, enjoy the season of peace now, but you will pass th through storms. You will pass through tribulations. You will pass through trials. But when you pass through these things, remember that Jehovah is your peace. And remember Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken by God. Just like the children of Israel, they felt when the angel of the Lord, when God appeared to Gideon, Gideon said, if you have been with us, why are we being oppressed by the Midianites? Several times you feel as if you're alone. But the word of God says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember also when Daniel was in the lion's den, Shalom was with him. Yeah. Remember the three Hebrew children, when they passed through that fiery furnace, the Lord was with him. Yeah. Remember Peter, when he was sinking, when he was walking, Jesus was still there. Remember the apostles, when they were in the boat crossing over, there was storm. They turned to Jesus and said, don't you care that we perish Shalom was with them. And all they did was turn to Shalom. And he said, peace be still. Yeah. And there was stillness. Yeah. So what God wants you to do, when you're passing through those difficult times, when you come to church, church doesn't mean anything. You don't even want to pray. Stop. Jehovah Shalom is still with you. All he wants you to do is recognize yeah. that he never left you. Yeah. And then turn to him. And then ask him, don't you care that I perish? Ask him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, then, because when you talk to him, you're actually praying to him. Amen. He says that when you have those fears, turn to him. In prayers, in supplications, but in thanksgiving. Yes. Go there and thank God that you know Jehovah Shalom is still with me. Thank God that you have legs and you can walk. Thank God that you can hear. Thank God that you're alive. That's why you have storms. The dead don't have tribulations. So begin to thank God. You live in a country that you have freedom to worship. 
You have a cloth that you wear. You have eyes you can see. There are so many things. The song says, count your blessings and name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord will do. So with supplication, and we've been talking about prayers. My sisters, pray. Whether you, there is peace, whether there is storm, the only way to reach God, to recognize and call back that peace and activate the peace, activate the peace of God is through your prayers. Go near to him, call him, and begin to worship him. You know, Gideon, in the passage we are doing, worship the Lord. He brought offering. Begin to worship God. The Bible says, even when the fig tree does not blossom, the Lord wants to see how you will bring praises to him in spite of your storms. So I want to encourage all of us. <laughs> I want to encourage all of us. Learn in the peace time to be close to Jehovah Shalom so that you're familiar with who he is. So that in your hiding place, in your prayer closet, he gives you a revelation. Not just what all of us have spoken. You need to personally have a revelation of him as Jehovah Shalom. So that when the fire is burning, you will know that I have the peace of God. Because Jehovah Shalom is with me. And you will not be consumed by that fire. You will, the storms will not carry you. Because he raises up his hand and he says, peace be still. Amen. And peace will be still in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got an ace in the hole. Come on, Lana. <laughs> ditto, ditto, ditto. We're done. <laughs> Have a good night. Um, okay. Uh, so, oh, oh, we're already starting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, in Judges, in Judges six, uh, one, uh, back to what Joel was talking about. There's one word that pops out in the message: God delivers Israel over to Midian for seven years of domination. Whew. Seven years of being dominated by man. I'm getting. I'm gonna start crying already. Um, <laughs> It spoke to me so loud. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but uh, seven years of Midian coming in, making camp, taking everything that you had, uh, everything that you could possibly eat, and if they didn't take it from you, they burned it in front of you. So you really had no shot at it. And they set up camp for seven years, and they did this for seven years straight. And this is where we find Gideon, who a lot of biblical scholars uh, call him as wimpy, uh, weak, uh, lacking conviction, strength, and he's threshing wheat uh, in a wine press, and he's hiding from the Midianites doing it. Now, normally, just like Joel said, normally you're supposed to be threshing wheat. It's a lot of hard work. You're in an open, uh, open area, and when you're crushing the wheat, the wind is supposed to come in and carry the chaff to survive, and he's supposed to be doing it on a threshing floor. Instead, he's doing it in a wine press. Now, a wine press, just like Joel said, is a pit in the ground. It's basically, uh, it's hewn into the rock. And, and at, at harvest time, they would gather all the grapes in, and they'd throw the grapes into the wine press, and they'd stomp like crazy, and that's how they'd make the wine. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, uh, A Walk in the Clouds uh, with Keanu Reeves. Shout out to the Italian ladies in the room. There is, 
that's basically the scene what th that's supposed to be happening around a wine press. There should be a family gathered around. This is where they're making wine. Instruments are being played. They're singing their family songs. They're stomping grapes. And instead, we find Gideon hiding for his life, threshing wheat in a wine press. Places where there should be laughter, family and songs, and joy is now a hard place of work just to survive. And there's fear that the enemy could steal it at any moment. Seven years of domination. Seven years of that. God's people, just like in the verses after, God's people who had experienced God's favor and victory were reduced to hiding. There is a loss of identity. There is a disconnect between what they were told before and what's happening now. So in the verses that follow, uh, Gideon, uh, uh, sorry, the angel of the Lord visits Gideon, or, or as God, as, as a lot of scholars will say, uh, God visits Gideon in the wine press and begins to call out the characteristics. You've already heard it uh, uh, with, with the speakers that came before. God is calling out characteristics, qualities. He's speaking over Gideon, and he's prophesying victory over Gideon. He's trying to, vi to, to reveal Gideon's real identity. He's saying, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as if it were just one man. And you know what's funny is in between, Gideon says, no, no, God, you got it all wrong. Come on, where were you? Seven years of hardship. What happened to all those stories our ancestors told us about? Where were you? But see, that's why Jesus is peace. Just like Bassi was talking about, Jesus is already our peace. He's not, we're not, we don't have to clue into him for him to be peace. He's already that peace happening. Wow, that was really good. <laughs> Strong's concordance for shalom or peace is completeness, soundness, welfare. There's an image of reconciliation. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who made us both one, and who has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that separates us from God because of our sin. He is already the wholeness that we need in our lives. When all we see is deficiency and gaping holes and hurt, he is that reconciliation of what we think our identity is into the truth of what he thinks our identity is. He is that reconciliation. He has broken down that wall. He's supposed to be the, the thing that breaks down the wall between what we think and what he thinks of us. He is that reconciliation. In Romans, I'm, gonna, I'm totally going to go overboard here. Uh, but in, in Romans 8.26, it says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of wordless sighs and aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that in every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God spoke into Gideon what Gideon didn't see in himself in that present moment. God doesn't give him the victory that happens later and then the peace. No, 
Too often we think we'll have the, pre- uh, the peace as soon as we get to that end point, as soon as we get to the, the thing that we want fulfilled. Yeah, then I'll have the peace. No, God is telling Gideon, you can have the peace now in the waiting. The victory is going to come. The peace is going to come now. And the great part is an interaction with God. He doesn't say, God, you know what? Yeah, I've really, I've heard it all before. It's somebody else. It should be for somebody else. Please just move on. It's, I can, it's going to be like this forever. I might as well just keep going on like this. But instead, in verse 17, he responds in a way how we should respond. It says, okay, God, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Please do not depart from me here until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. Gideon says, okay, God, if this is really you, all right, show me a sign. In the meantime, I'm going to go and get an offering. And he doesn't just grab the first thing he finds. He doesn't grab some, some measly piece of bread that was lying around. No, he goes and grabs a goat, probably one that he was hiding from the Midianites in the first place. He goes and grabs a goat. He kills it. He prepares it. He, he, he's, in, the, in the scriptures, it says he has to cook it with broth. So there's, you know, there's a lot of stewing involved in that, apparently. Um, there's, he's got to make the bread. He's got to put it in the basket. That's a lot of time that he's got to make that offering. And then he brings the offering out. That's a really serious offering, folks. That's a really serious offering. It's well prepared. He brings it out. He puts it on the rock. And the angel of the Lord touches it with a staff. And immediately the entire offering is consumed with fire. It disappears. It's gone. God is pleased with that sacrifice. Can, you, can, you, can we agree with that? God is pleased with Gideon's sacrifice. And the timer's going to go off. Um, Gideon realizes in that present moment that he's, that he's, reali- that he's in the presence of God. He's, he's come face to face with God. It says in the New Living Translation, it says, I've come face to face with God. I'm doomed. I'm going to die. And instead, God, reach, just, like, just like Andrew said, God reassures him, no, hey, bro, don't worry. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. I'm here with you. And in that moment, Gideon has an epiphany. He's, got, he's had a, a real-life experience with God. The words that God has spoken to him, you are a mighty warrior. I am going with you. You're going to defeat the enemy from there to here. After he brings the offering, after he brings the offering, after he spends the time to prepare his offering to come to God, he has that epiphany after he brings the offering. And in that moment, he builds the altar to God and calls it the Lord is peace. Jesus is speaking life and peace into every person in this room right now. Whether you hear it, whether you experience it or not, he's in this place right now, and he's speaking life and peace into you. Some of you may have already experienced it. Some of you may be experiencing right now. And if you haven't yet, and you want to know that peace, I'm giving you a heads up right now. It's going to cost you a well-prepared offering. How often do we go into our worship with God? How, how deep do we go into worship with God? When we read our Bible, how, how often do we meditate on his word? What is the type of offering we're going to give to him? How well prepared is it? 
I'm going to end on these two scriptures. It says in Isaiah 40, 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. In Psalms 43, 5, it says, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My God, my Savior. He's speaking peace into everyone right now, right? I just want to encourage you. If, you're, if you want to embrace that peace right now, it's going to cost us an offering. And see. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me this morning and just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I just want to end our time together in some prayer. Just for a moment, would you close your eyes? Come on, you're here today, and man, I just feel like I'm so impressed with how God speaks to his people. And the reason I love this, this is one of the reasons we started Love City Church, was so that the body could minister to one another. Right now, if you're in the room today, and man, I just know if you're dealing with anxiety, depression or fear today i want you to put your hand in the air come on if you're dealing with anxiety and you just need the peace of god today come on there's hands all across the room today i want to pray for you come on with your hand lifted this morning let me pray father i just pray for all the people in the room today god who heard about jehovah shalom yahweh shalom as James said, Father, Lord, it does take a sacrifice. What it means is that, Lord, we need to come to you and say, okay, God, I am finally ready to stop worrying about this thing. I want to give it to you. Now, my prayer, Father, for the countless hands that were raised across the room today is that, Father, today that you would give them the grace to be able to give up holding on to the thing that they're anxious about, the thing that they're afraid of, the thing that they're depression, depressed over, or the thing that's hanging over their head today. God, I pray for the courage and the grace to be able to finally let go to you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come right now. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, you said that you leave us with a gift, a gift of peace of heart and mind. So do not be troubled, my little children. You will have many trouble in this world, but do not be troubled, for I give you the gift of peace today. God, I speak to every mind in this place, Lord, I know this battle. I know this struggle. I know this challenge. And I speak to every mind in this place who is ravaged with the overwind today. I speak peace to the storm in their heart today when their physical body chemically begins to respond to the emotions they're feeling in their mind. I pray that God, by your spirit, that you would silence the storm that is in their soul today. And that you would cause joy to overwhelm their hearts, God. Joy and peace and love. They would be overwhelmed, oh God, with who you are. And they would experience Jehovah Shalom. That we would not be a people who are shaken by the circumstances of this world, but we would know that we have a God who fights for us, who goes before us, who goes behind us, that stands on the edge of heaven and stands as a guard for our hearts and our minds today, oh God. Yeah. We receive 
your protection, that you will guard our heart and mind with a peace that surpasses and transcends all understanding. So Lord, we let you in today. Come on, just right now, place your hand on your mind this morning. As we end our time today, Lord, we just let you in to our mind, to our chaos. We let you in. Come on, just say that right now. Just say, Jesus, I let you in. Come on, just repeat after me. I'm going to say a prayer today. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus today and you want to accept him today, come on, the entire church in the room, place your hand over your mind and let's just pray this prayer right now. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, real loud, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I let you in today. I'm going to stop stopping you. I'm going to stop, stop. But I let you in. I let you into my mind. I let you into my heart. I declare you are Lord over my mind, over my heart. I declare I have victory. I accept the peace of God today. I acknowledge that I need you and that you're God and that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. Come on, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.